You are listening to the FDIP, the official podcast of the Faculty Development and Innovation Center at Eastern Illinois University. My name is Dr. Michael Gillespie, and I am the director of the FDIC and your host for this episode. On this episode, I am talking to Joe Fothery, who's an educator, uh, an activist, and a scholar on the issue of artificial intelligence in education. He is a teacher at Effingham High School, as well as a doctoral student at the University of Illinois. And I left this conversation that we recorded on Zoom unedited because there's so much great information here. He talks uh, very broadly about issues that have to do with ethics, as well as pedagogy, about things that are exciting with AI for our classrooms, as well as things that are quite scary for AI in our classrooms uh, as well. Uh, So without further ado, I'm going to turn this over to Joe. My name is Joe Fothery, and I'm an instructor of innovation and creativity at Effingham High School. Uh, I've been very fortunate in my career to have the opportunity to work with some amazing kids for the last 34 years. I do a lot in the ed tech space, and so in 2007, I was named the Illinois Teacher of the Year, and in 2016, I was blessed to be named one of the top 10 teachers in the world, and that opened a lot of doors for me to work in different arenas. Uh, part of that extension was in the ed tech space, and uh, currently I'm doing uh, working on my doctorate degree at the University of Illinois, where I'm focusing on artificial intelligence, artificial intelligence and human cognition. Right, great. Thank you uh, for that, Joe. Um, I think one of the the big questions we have, and we actually had just had a uh, a symposium today. Uh, over the lunch hour, a brown bag about AI and our students and what it means for teaching uh, and learning. And there's um, one of the big questions that we got from several faculty members, not so much from the students, was what exactly is AI? And if something is AI generated, uh, what does that mean? Well, without getting too deep in the weeds, <laughs> we could spend a long time there. Yeah, I think uh, the simplest terms is a computer being able to work and solve problems uh, with human level intelligence. That's, that's where that, you know, everyone seems like we're trying to get. And so there are a lot of different ways to do that. There can be programmed intelligence and there can be intelligence that is formed where machines uh, teach machines. Now there's a real argument out there about is this intelligence? And uh, you know, we can spend a lot of time on that, but uh no matter where we're at in the in the scope of artificial intelligence, you know, was start they really started work on it back in the '50s, and there have been iterations all along for the for the past several decades. Uh, where we're at now, AI as it stands today uh, is a disruptive force in society, and so we haven't. There there could be arguments about have we reached or are we going to reach human level intelligence with machines. But whether that happens or not, I think we can safely say, uh, especially with like the release of ChatGTP, that the forms of AI that we have today are disruptive to society. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for that. So uh, disruptive um, in, I guess, positive ways and uh, ways of innovation or disruptive in terms of just our, the ways and norms that we have uh, in our culture. Well, I think it's both. I, I think you can find a lot of 
positive disruption. And I'm, I'm going to start with that. And so uh, I just read the other day that scientists have worked on developing a new AI that can detect breast cancer four mm-hmm. years earlier. What a saving grace. If we don't do any more than that, if we can address cancer in women at a much earlier stage and save lives, what a tremendous blessing that is. But, you know, it's also being used to find new solutions to climate change. Uh, there's new work in uh, uh, protein folds, and uh, they're talking about all the new medicines that may come out of those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, being able to work on intelligent tutoring systems that, you know, some point down the road, it may be feasible that every child on the earth would have access to a, an intelligent agent that knew the child very, very well, and that could help the child work through difficult issues in education and provide support. And so on the positive side, really the list of items are limitless. Mm-hmm. But I think that the, the counter to that is, it seems like the risks are also, um, the list is very, very long. And so you can look at issues of, you know, racial equity and bias, what happens in terms of uh, data privacy. Uh, Do we know that like these intelligent tutoring systems, do we know the potential impact it might have on a child's social or mental health and things like that. And so we're so new into, I think the space on the grand scale of things for years, it was AI, it seemed like, was focused in in very specific silos. Mm -hmm. But now all of those silos, it seems like the walls are starting to blur a little bit and they're mixing together. And and it's happening, you know, iterations that used to take years. Yeah. Happening in months right now. And I think because we see all of this in social media, we hear it on the news. It's so much more prevalent in our lives. It's kind of it's kind of hard to take because people are still maybe trying to, like you said earlier, define what it is right it seems to be everywhere and so it's a very ambiguous space for a lot of people that aren't in the know that aren't research scientists in this right yeah and it, it touches and affects so many parts of our lives that sometimes we don't even think about from the thumbprint i have to use to get in to my phone to how my bank even helps me out now it's just it's everywhere absolutely yeah. Um, you know, we're, you know, here in the, in the faculty development innovation center, we're obviously, you know, focused on teaching and learning and innovation and pedagogy. And I want to drill in a little bit. You talked about, uh, the, the issue there or the idea there where, um, there's the, that one-on-one tutoring and, and students can have their own personal intelligent agent, but maybe think about more, uh, in terms of our classes and how we work with students and how students have access to this. What are some of those, um, um, threats that you see just in the process of teaching and learning? Well, I think one of the big things we're dealing with right now is with chat GTP and they just released uh, the fourth version of it. And I've, if, the other one uh, Google has now released, I just got access this afternoon to their version of it, which is barred. Mm-hmm. And if you're on uh, Microsoft Bing, uh, they have a version there. And so they will tell you when you log on to the sites, you know, they have a disclaimer that says, hey, you know, not all the information may, may be accurate and it may not uh, fall within the views of, you know, company A, B or C. 
And so I think one thing that we have not done a very good job of in the last few years with the internet and the rise of social media is figure out a good way to help people validate information on the web to see if it's real. And it gets very easy just to go out and find stuff and just start copying and pasting and taking it as the truth. And so that's a really concerning space there. And, and a lot of students, you know, I think we're still struggling in education, to be honest about this, that why do I come to school? You know, right. especially in the K-12 sector, why do I come to school? A lot of students will tell you because it's compulsory. I have to come to school. Right. And, you know, or you'll talk, you know, at the higher ed level, why well, I have to come to school to get training for a job. And it's not for a lot of society, this intrinsic motivation to learn and to decipher and to validate and to test and to explore through failure you know, what real learning is. So if our idea of learning is kind of like going through a drive through at a fast food restaurant, mm -hmm. that I want to get it as quick as I can and get as much as I can, and then something good's going to come out of it. I'm not sure that's the right position for us to take, but that's something easy with like chat GTP. I can write a, ask it to say, hey, write me a term paper on why time slows near the edge of a black hole and it'll come up with pages of information right. now the question is is it all accurate that's the first thing now one of the things i like about the new version i'm seeing with Bing is i can ask it to come up with the source that and i've done some testing on it and it's interesting a lot of the sources are really good on it and okay. i can ask it to pick my uh citation manner and to cite it and so it's, it's, it's amazing the levels of iteration and how quickly this stuff's coming along. But I could also be tempted to say, write it, and then I just turn it in as my original work. Right. And so to me, there are concerns about academic integrity and how do we, how do we start those conversations? Because we really haven't had them for a long time. I know at the, at the higher ed we do, and sometimes in high school we talk about in term papers that we talk about plagiarism. But do we really get into the, you know, the weeds about academic integrity and why that's important? Right. So I think to me, that's the first big one. I don't know if you have other questions about that, but that's the pressing one we have mm -hmm. right now where people see chat GTP as the mountain. You know, it's the Mount Everest to climb of AI, which at the end of time, it's probably a grain of sand on the beach of AI. Right. There's so many more things to come. Right. Yeah. I've heard you. I've heard you speak on that about how this is just sort of the 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 introduction to uh, what could potentially be possible. I mean, this grain of sand on the mountain of of all the possibility of this. No, I think I think academic integrity is a good thing uh, to talk about. I mean, it's, this brings up those kinds of issues. And it has definitely started that conversation on our own campus where we have a, a committee just kind of rethinking about what academic integrity uh, looks like on our campus and how this this plays into it. Um, I'm thinking about, you know, other, you know, you talked about sort of this drive-through information world where we want things as fast as possible without even validating the sources of the the information and things that we get. But what other things are there that you see how this is going to really impact how you know we teach and we learn and work with our students? No, well, I appreciate you asking because one of the big pressing needs that I see is preparing our work, our students 
just how do you how do you work in a symbiotic relationship with this type of technology? We've never seen technology before. I don't think that is this invasive that in some instances is going to seek to start developing relationship with ships with you. And again, there's good out of that. I mean, mm-hmm. I guess in, in the simplest of terms for maybe a quick example is like every time you flip, flip Netflix on or you get on Amazon, there's like, well, hey, uh, there's this great new show that's being recommended for me or here are these new products. I mean, that that is an intelligent algorithm that is getting to learn you. It's getting to learn people from your region. It's going to be, it's getting to learn people in your age group or your sex and your likes, and then it finds recommendations for you. So that's, that's a good thing. I, I guess in some instances is you've got something that's, it's an agent that's helping you along, but how do you, how do students who in schools from K through higher ed have had very little opportunity to discuss, very little opportunity to touch. How do they learn how to go out and work in a in a society that's AI powered? Mm-hmm. And we can look at all of the industries. NVIDIA has a, a great conference going on right now. And they're talking about how AI is going to shift the workforces and and all of the new changes that are coming. And you can find, you know, you don't have to go to this conference to find it. You can find information all over the internet where jobs are being disrupted. And yet, if you go back into most of our classrooms, they look very much like it was like they were prior to COVID. Yeah. And this stuff wasn't even out there. Yeah. And so communities that are going to go out and look at how the future of work, what a smart cities look like, um, you know, what a what a AI powered jobs look like. And they're really having those conversations about how to prep their kids. Their students are going to be prepared for that. And, and yeah. I think like Governor Pritzker and, and higher ed and the academic world and the private sector in Illinois has done an incredible job of ushering new high tech jobs into our state. I mean, we are on the cutting edge globally uh, to help lead this work, but our students are ill prepared for this. Now I will say the state board, I appreciate the fact that, and I helped with this, we just integrate or just develop the new computer science standards mm-hmm. uh, for Illinois, but it's going to be a while before we see the fruits of that work. And we really need to be having, I'm thrilled to hear that you guys are having some conversation on campus about this, mm-hmm. but you know, I'd like to know from a student perspective and from the private sector perspective and from what it looks like at EIU and other academic institutions around the state, what do you think the shift in ed needs to be like? Because these conversations need yeah. to be taking place everywhere and, and, and they're just not right now. Right. Yeah, no, that's true. It's, it's a, uh, you know, there's just an article uh, today in inside higher ed about how uh, campuses are just really ill-prepared for this. Uh, not just in terms of the, those teachable moments and how we uh, can can get our students hands on this, but just from the fact of what is what is the campus policy about this look like Absolutely. and what does you know so we're you know it's it's uh, it's an important thing right it's an important conversation to be having and we're trying to have that and uh, you know appreciate your insight on that too and and being willing to sit down and, and chat with us so well, um, and I even look at like the ethical conversation so right. like you know, we have the education side of this so how do we and by the way, everybody's not going to be a computer programmer. Right. And we don't we don't need everyone to be a computer programmer. But for those that are heading into that CS space, 
how do we make sure that our kids are ultra prepared to go into that space and do it on the flip side of that or a parallel track? How do we make sure, again, the kids are able to thrive in an AI powered world? But then on the ethical side of it, and it kind of goes back to academic integrity a little bit, but how do people know how to make ethical decisions mm -hmm. about AI. So one of the things I said earlier was about, okay, we've got this new technology that can recognize uh, breast cancer in women four years earlier. Well, let's say 10 iterations from now. So maybe that's three years from now. Who knows? Mm -hmm. um, all of a sudden we can recognize it in a two-year-old girl. Yeah. And you're thinking, wow, that is an incredible piece of technology that we can do this. But if this information gets leaked, will the insurance companies insure that two-year-old girl because now she's more of an insurance risk? Yeah. And so there's an ethical conversation to be had. Doesn't that girl still deserve the same amount of insurance access to it that she did prior to this technology existing? Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's a um, video that's been out for, I think, a couple of years uh, that Vive Technology has, it's a, uh, a virtual reality company, and they have a video about this lady who lost her six-year-old daughter. Mm -hmm. And what a terrible thing to happen to any parent. And Vive came in and said, you know what, we can create an intelligent hologram of your daughter. So if you put your glasses on, you can come in and communicate with her. And you can even do more than that because you can put these haptic gloves on and you can come in and feel her. And so in this episode, this lady and her little daughter walks around the corner and the baby goes, mommy, have you missed me? And every heart in the world that watches this has to break to watch this. And it's, you right. know, it's a poignant moment where mom gets to come back and be reunited. But is that healthy? Right. You know, for the grieving process. And then we've talked on some different things legally. Um, well, what happens if the mom wants to age advance this hologram. Mm. And these are things that are happening now. Or if you are an artist and you're out there and you've created your original artwork and company X comes along and because you're storing it in their database, they've scraped all that information off and they're using that to train their AI to allow you to create generative art. Yeah. Somebody else's work. And so there's all of these legal conversations that are going to have to be had and I'm not really sure what the moral compass is that's going to guide those conversations. And so since mm -hmm. our kids are going to have to answer, and kids is relative terms from kindergarten <laughs> through you know, a doctoral student, I guess, yeah. um, somewhere along the way, do we not have an ethical obligation to at least start some of these conversations right. in schools? Right. Yeah, no, that's a that's a, a fantastic point. And like you said, you don't have to be a computer scientist to to care about these things. Social oh. workers, you know, nurses, uh, people who are going into you know all the, the skilled trades. I mean, this is this is something that we should all be talking about because it's all going to impact how we work with people and the types of things uh, that we definitely do. So, well, and, and even a little bit farther with that, I, I go on to think you know at some point policy is going to be created for this and it already is being developed and it could be at your local school board. It may be at the community level. It may be, you know, uh, at the, at the, the state or federal level. But the one thing that I found in, in, in my journey through the policy world, 
the only thing worse than no policy is bad policy. Right. And while there should be a sense of urgency, I think, to educate ourselves on this and to put people in office that are well versed in it, we don't want to rush and have a knee jerk reaction and create policy that's next to impossible to change. And then something else that I found about the policy world is it's usually pretty static. And Mm -hmm. once you create it, this is the way it is. And I'm wondering how do we create organic policy that has the ability to kind of breathe and grow with the changing and the technology as it continues to develop? Well, um, we're running uh, up on the time that we have together. So I thought I would ask you, uh, Joe Fathery, who's an educator, a decorated educator, a very um, you know, well-respected person in this field and now working on your doctoral work. Um, you know, what excites you about this as a teacher and as an educator? What, what is, you know, when you go into your classroom every day and you're working with your students, you're talking about AI, what really gets you excited about this? What are, what are you looking at? Well, I, I think in the terms of, of AI and ed, I think about, I know how hard our teaching force works. And, you know, I, I, I spend a lot of time every day trying to get to every student in, in my classroom mm-hmm. to get to know them and to meet his or her needs. But it's impossible to do that to scale at the level that you want. Think about having an intelligent assistant that could work with me that would be able to help identify student needs and help be able to find and resources for students to be able to work, you know, and again, a symbiotic relationship where it can, I can look at it and say, okay, Johnny is really struggling with this, but boy, here are resources that, you know, have been vetted and I know that works. And all of a sudden Johnny has access to a treasure trove of tools that have never before existed. And Mm -hmm. imagine if Johnny is autistic or super advanced and, you know, is, board in classroom and now I the spectrum of learning there are tools for every student there and then I think about you know one of the things that um, the time it takes to build individualized lessons and to build individualized assessments and to be able to find resources if I had I just talked to a company in New York that's building out tools like this and that's one of the things that they're really going to hang their hat is building building tools that help cut out wasted time for teachers so that mm. they can get back and do what they want to do most is work with students to help advance them in their learning journey. Yeah. So I'm excited about that. I'm excited about having tools that all of a sudden, if I want to have a headset and put it on and I can take kids to any place in the universe and any time period in our history to be able to see stuff. And that could be, I'm really excited about doing that in communities and large urban centers that might struggle with academic, with the resources to be able yeah. to have great teachers there or in rural communities that where kids don't have the access to travel. And so I see it as potentially being a great equalizer, but inside the term equal equalization is the term equity. And yeah. we've got to make sure our kids have equitable access to these resources. 
Well, great point and a great point to end on. I mean, I think that's really it. There's that equity issue. Um, there's all this excitement, but let's let's make sure we get it to everybody and everybody's got that that access to it. So I appreciate that. And I appreciate your time, Joe, and for everything that you're doing for this issue in our state and really uh, our country and around the world. It's uh, it's an important thing. So I want to thank you for for being on our podcast today. Uh, is there anything else you want to leave with or anything you wanted to say you did get a chance to? Well, just a couple of things. One, thank yeah. you for shedding light on this. Uh, I love podcasts and I know you've got listeners out there. Right. And what I would encourage is uh, there are so many opinions on this right now. Start your journey today. Mm. Uh, go find a podcast, go find a book. And uh, I've got one sitting here right in front of me called The Fourth Education Revolution by uh, Sir Anthony Selden. I think it's a great read. And uh, go look at some TED Talks and just start immersing yourself in this because it's not like the Jetsons when, you know, we sat back as kids and we watched these cartoons and thought, wow, this ever comes. Mm -hmm. We're seeing it built before our eyes right now. Mm -hmm. And this is your chance to get involved. And when you have to make an educated vote or you go purchase something, um, you're a little bit farther down the road. And I think the last piece is you don't have to run out scared and afraid of this because, uh, I know a lot of good things are going to happen out of it, but the more educated we are, the more conversations we can have. And at the end of the day, that's what's going to move the ball forward. Thanks, Joe. I appreciate it very much. You're welcome. I want to thank Joe Fothery for being on the FDIP, the official podcast of the Faculty Development and Innovation Center. What a great conversation. There is so much information and so much knowledge here and so much to be gained from this this expert uh, in our field and literally here in our backyard as well. Um, and I'm going to leave with that thought exactly what Joe told us, like, go out, start your journey uh, today. Uh, this is an exciting time. It's a nervous time, but uh, do some reading, listen to some podcasts, talk to people who work in this field and get to know this stuff because it's here and we're going to embrace it. We have to embrace it uh, because the future, the future is now uh, and it's just so very exciting. So once again, I want to thank you for listening to this official podcast of the Faculty Development and Innovation Center at Eastern Illinois University. I've been your host, Dr. Michael Gillespie. And until next time, take good care of yourself.